Welcome to BYU Radio's Big Stories, a show dedicated to the incredible tales surrounding the opponents of the BYU Cougars. I'm your host, Cleon Wall. Kansas State's homecoming weekend 2023 was a memorable one for Thane Baker and his family. The Wildcat alum and K-State Sports Hall of Famer wanted to go to the Cats' football game against Houston. So he talked to his daughter and son about getting tickets. Catherine says, well, well, let's the whole family, let's all go to homecoming. Fine. So we tried to get tickets, and I got some tickets, and she got some tickets. Come to find out, she got uh, better tickets than I did. But everybody in the family wanted to go. I mean, my daughter and his wife came up from Arkansas, and the family came from uh, western Nebraska, and, and uh, everybody from here went to Manhattan to the football game. Quick pass out on the flat. Complete. And into the end zone, Garrett Oakley. He had a touchdown. Maybe everyone's willingness to go to the game should have signaled to the former track athlete that something special was going to happen. Well, the night before, they had a reception for every letterman, and the athletic director got up and made a speech, and the track coach got up and he made some remarks and welcomed us there, and that's fine, very appropriate. And then he said, uh, Thane Baker, come up here. What happened next almost brought tears to Thane's eyes. He says he didn't cry, but he was definitely overwhelmed. Thane received an amazing honor, and he's a pretty amazing guy. Why was Walter Thane Baker's life so amazing? For the answer to that question, we need to go back in time to when Thane was a young boy. When I was about uh, seven or eight years old, Glenn Cunningham from my hometown ran in the 1936 Olympics, and he came back to Elkhart and had a Glenn Cunningham day, and he ran down Main Street in his Olympic uh, uh, uniform, and I was standing there watching him, and that's the finest thing I ever saw, uh, the, the beautiful running down Main Street in his Olympic uniform. So I turned around to my father and said, uh, I want to run the Olympics someday. Young Thane got to training, but not how the runners of today would do it. All through school growing up, I uh, ran everywhere I went. The school ground was seven blocks from where I lived, and I went home for lunch. So my father blew this, the noon whistle uh, at the uh, garage where he worked, and I'd stand on the edge of the uh, school ground, and when that whistle went off, my mother would hold the alarm clock in her hand on the front porch, and she'd look at it. And I ran the seven blocks home, and she'd look at it when I got into the yard, and she'd tell me about how long it took me to get home. This alarm clock didn't have a second hand, so uh, I was probably the only sprinter who was ever tied with alarm clock. Thane may have received his athleticism from his mother, who played baseball and golf, and was active in other athletics. She also taught him hard work. My mother, she says, now you remember, no matter how good you think you are, there's always somebody just around the corner just a little bit better, and you don't forget it, so you have to keep working. My father always said uh, to me, no matter what you do, do the best that you can. If you're digging a ditch, dig it straight and dig it deep. Baker's work life also began about the same time he started to run. He was a sweeper at a Ford auto garage, and eventually they gave him the responsibility to help at the parts counter. He kept those jobs into his teenage years. At age 14, I was working in a garage and I got a piece of steel in my knee. And uh, two operations later, the doctor said, we can't get the steel out. And so you'll have uh, restricted use of your left leg. And so uh, uh, 
you just have to remember that and just have to deal with it. They told him he had to give up athletics. This is Catherine Nicholson, Thane's daughter. He couldn't participate in any sports. And he was devastated because he wanted to go to the Olympics. And of course, I told my mother, <laughs> that's going to be the end of my dream. After the tears and heartache, Thane remembered his track hero. A flash fire burned Glenn Cunningham's legs and stomach, and doctors told the Olympic champion that he would have to deal with the scar tissue on his legs. But Cunningham then learned to walk again and then run. And one time his coach saw him running uh, and uh, asked him to come out for track. Glenn Cunningham set the world record when he was just a senior in high school for the mile. So I always knew that story. Cunningham's story got Thane working again and eventually running again. I did go out for athletics my junior year after two years of crutches and went out and participated in football and basketball in high school. And I ran track in high school. I uh, did get as far as the state meet. And in the 100, I got last place. And in the 220, I got last place in the state meet. No one was scouting Thangmaker as the next great collegiate sprinter, but his desire never waned even after he enrolled at Kansas State. The coach put an article in the Kansas State Collegian one day. Um, if anybody would like to try it for the track team, show up at Nichols Gym at 7 o'clock and uh, uh, we'll talk about it. So about 20 of us showed up and he talked to us individually, showed us some film and so forth. And I went up to him afterwards. He asked me what I had done and so forth, and I told him. He said, well, you, you might make a quarter mile out of you. Even though runners didn't participate their freshman season, Thane got to work on his body and mind. You're concentrating on everything you've got to do. Be sure that your arms are relaxed. Your arms have a tendency to tense up, so keep your arms relaxed. Get your knees higher, and higher the knees, the bigger the step. The bigger the step, the less steps you take. And so I had to concentrate on so many different things. And every time I watched the meet, I would try to watch other people, what they were doing. Did you tell him about Dick Towers being your rabbit? He was a half-miler, but he was my rabbit. Uh, in order to improve your speed, you have to practice speed, obviously. We'd run three-quarter speed, get real smooth, go up to seven-eighths speed, and still be, be concentrating on our form and everything. And then I'd yell, hit it. Well, he would be five yards ahead of me, so then I had to catch him before I got to the end of the straightaway. That's, that's the way you get faster. At Kansas State, he got faster and faster. So after his junior year, his coach took some of his athletes out to the West Coast for the NCAAs, and there my dad qualified for the Olympic trials. And my dad certainly didn't think he had a chance to make the Olympics, and so he hadn't packed for it or anything. But then when he went to the Olympic trials, he qualified for the Olympic team in the men's 200 meters and took off for uh, New York and then to Helsinki. This is Helsinki, Finland, modern capital of an ancient people. I think uh, one of the things that surprised me were the conditions that the Olympians were living in in the Olympic Village. A special bus takes them to their quarters in Olympic Village at Kapula, miles away. They were in unfinished apartments with cement floors. Their mattresses were stuffed with straw and very bumpy lumpy and small. So some of the men were like curled up to fit in the beds. During the opening ceremonies, the skies opened up and it poured and it rained seven of the eight days of the track and field events. And so it was, it was cold, it was windy, it was... Um, Helsinki's 
the furthest north they've ever had an Olympic Games, and so Olympic Summer Games. But none of that mattered to Thane. The official opening of the 1952 Olympics takes place in Helsinki Stadium. Well, <laughs> when you walk into the Olympic Stadium for the first time, you're numb. I mean, you're trying to take in everything, but you're there for a purpose, but you're almost numb. Is, is this really happening? <laughs> Can this be what I wanted my whole life? Okay, now what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with my opportunity? Get out there and, and uh, try to remember everything that the coach taught you. Uh, put your mind to what you're doing. This is an important thing. And uh, uh, I ran the best race of my life in 52 in the Olympics. Second is Walter Baker of Elkhart, Kansas, with the bronze medal for third. The guy who never thought he would make it to the Olympics, let alone run again, took home silver in the 200-meter race. Thane had no family or friends to celebrate with after the amazing achievement, but after winning the silver medal, he spotted his Kansas State track coach, Ward Haylett, in a crowd of people as he was trying to get on the bus. I hugged Ward and, and said, you, here's the medal you're responsible for, and so forth. And I said, why didn't you tell me before that you were here? He said, well, when you get on the Olympic team, you have to sign a document that says you will only take instruction from the coaches of the Olympic team and you will not be spending all your time with your own coaches. You're now dedicated to the Olympic team coaches. You sign that document. And he said, if I would have interfered with you, then technically we would have been uh, not doing what uh, you were supposed to do. So I did not contact you until after you had competed and got all through running. The people of Manhattan, Kansas took up a collection, and so my coach could go to the Olympics in 1952 to watch me run. That was so overwhelming to my dad to know that he was not alone. He felt very alone, but to know he wasn't alone. And, and the coach said, you know, you were never alone. And not only never alone because his coach was there, but because God was there for him too. Coming up after the break, Thane lives his Olympic dream once again. This is BYU Radio's Big Stories. Welcome back to BYU Radio's Big Stories. Thane Baker never thought he would achieve his dream of running in the Olympics after an accident when he was 14 years old. But after a few years on crutches, he started running in high school and then decided he would try to run at Kansas State. My freshman year at Kansas State, I was a walk-on. I got no, no scholarship or anything. And so everything I got and would work out with was used, used shoes and everything. This is Thane looking at pictures of his Kansas State track days with his son Doyle. So those saggy socks were uniform? Yep, yep. That's a look. That's a look. Well, I pulled them up, but it got, they got wet. It was probably wet there and they sagged down. He also had to work his way through school after his freshman year. I went to coach and said, coach, I need a job. Uh, when he said I had made the team my sophomore year. So he got me a job mopping out of laundry. I sold programs for the football and I worked in the athletic department for 50 cents an hour when I could. And I joined ROTC, advanced ROTC for $27.30 a month. And uh, I got my way paid through school last, I got a scholarship now. I got $67.50 a semester for tuition and $40 book money. That's the only thing I ever got from Kansas State. And uh, I was so proud that I had that and I was so thankful that they helped me that they did. I mean, I couldn't have done it without them. What really made the difference, uh, believe it or not, is uh, a fraternity invited him to join their fraternity. And he said, all right, I'll join if I can work in your kitchen 
and get two meals a day for free. Here again is Katherine Nicholson, Thane Baker's daughter and author of the book, Running in Borrowed Shoes, Thane Baker and the 1952 Summer Games. And so he was able to get two meals a day and that really made a difference. It was food, you need food, you need fuel to be a runner. Thane ran faster and faster and eventually accomplished his boyhood desire. After his junior season, Thane qualified for the Olympic trials and was fast enough to win a spot on the U.S. Olympic track and field squad headed for the 1952 Olympic Games in Helsinki, Finland. For the 1952 Olympics and the 200 meters, uh, the American athletes decided they were gonna win first, second, and third. They were gonna get gold, silver, and bronze. And they didn't care what order it was as long as America took one, two, three. Catherine's father took second, winning the silver medal in the 200-meter race. Thane was living his best life in the 1950s. He was a Kansas State track star, an NCAA champion, and a U.S. Olympic medalist. He also met Sally Doyle in a history class. Thane convinced his professor to put him in the same class picnic committee as Sally's. And so we met two or three times to try to find a location for the picnic, and the rest is history. The two married and were living in Germany while Thane was serving as an officer in the Air Force. But the Wildcat runner still had the Olympics on his mind. He wanted to race again. You never, you never give up. You never reach the level of you may achieve one goal, but then there's always got to be another one. And uh, yes, uh, in 52, I made the Olympic team there and I got second. And as you say, uh, I turned around and felt, well, I've, uh, I've reached a goal. I made the Olympic team, but I didn't get a gold medal. And so uh, uh, in the back of my mind, I was hoping I'd have another opportunity, maybe four, four years from now, to, to get that gold medal, so to speak. So I continued to run, even though I had completed my dream and made the Olympic team. There he is working in Germany as an officer, and he gets a letter from... Washington, D.C. It said that your name has come to my attention of being in the Air Force and you have a, perhaps a potential to try to make the 56 Olympic team. So if you would like to uh, participate, well, let me know. I told Sally, I would sure like to do this, but uh, we've got plans to do some other traveling in Europe while I'm here. But uh, uh, I would sure like to go back and try to make the Olympic team again a second time. And so if you let me go, if you agree, agree to let me go, I'll take you to Olympics in Melbourne, Australia. So I had a little more motivation there, so to speak. In his words, he was fat, dumb, and happy when that letter from Washington came, inviting him to come back and compete. But you have to understand, back then, people didn't train you around for track. And so I uh, got back in touch with them, and uh, they transferred me to uh, Lockburn Air Force Base, Columbus, Ohio, and I trained there with Ohio State and made the Olympic team the second time. I will tell you a story there. When he went to Lockburn Air Force Base, um, there all the Air Force people were there who were training for the Olympics. And my dad showed up in uniform the first day, and the guy said, what are you doing here? And he says, well, I'm assigned to be here. And they said, but you don't have to work. And my dad said, yes, I do. I'm assigned to be here. So my dad worked every day, a full day of work, and then he went to train, whereas everybody else was just hanging out at the gym all day long. So anyway, that was just my dad. Thane ran in three events at the Summer Games of 1956, the 100 meters, the 200 meters, and the 4 by 100 meter relay. I was second place to Bobby Morrow in the 100 meters in 56. Bobby Morrow first, Thane Baker, United States second. 
And the 200 meters, Bobby Morrow won again. I was in third place that time. But in the relay, the Americans were the champions. And Thane earned his first and only gold medal. Lieutenant Baker of the Air Force passes to Bobby Morrow for the anchor leg. And the Texan does it again. A new world record of 39 and a half When it came seconds. time to accept it's the coveted prize, Thane was the, the representative for the team. There was only room on the stand for one person. And the team uh, said, get up there, Baker. So I got up there and they handed me four Olympic gold medals uh, from the, for the other four people who played the Star Spangled Banner. They deserved that as much as I did. And nowadays, they have room for all four of the people on relay. But those days, at that time, there was room for one person. And, and I was that one person. Then the band played the national anthem of the United States. And that's the time it really did choke me up, the fact that I don't deserve this any more than those other three. They need to be up here, too. And to take their medals and go back and hand them out to them, that... That was a humbling experience, very humbling. But with the Star Spangled Banner playing up there, I mean, the first time the tears rolled down my cheeks and the last time they did. And for, <laughs> for many years, when I hear the Star Spangled Banner, I'm up on that podium. And uh, what that country has done for me, what the United States has done for me, and, and Kansas State, and Elkhart, Kansas, and my whole life, the people that have, have helped me, what my children have done to support me my whole life. I mean, those are important things in life. There's so much beauty in this life. Take advantage of it and, and thank the good Lord for what he's given us. He's just, he's just one of those people um, that, you know, sees good in everyone. This is Kansas State track coach Cliff Revelto. He's, um, he's really one of those people that inspires you to be better than you are. I really felt like we needed to honor our Olympic medalist. Coming up after the break, how Kansas State honored the legendary track athlete. Welcome back to BYU Radio's Big Stories. Thane Baker is in incredible shape for a man born in 1931. Uh, every day he gets up and he spreads a towel on the ground. Catherine Nicholson is Thane's daughter. And he lays down and does all his stretching exercises. And he's doing sit-ups and some push-ups and he does this thing called bicycling where he puts, he's laying down, but he puts his hands on his hips and he throws his feet up in the air and bicycles with them. And, um, you know, then he'll have breakfast. This is the same man who won an NCAA title as a sprinter at Kansas State. I think one thing that my dad always did is if the coach said, do four intervals, he would do five. And if the coach said, do it under this time, my dad would do it below that time. Um, my dad, believe it or not, ran everywhere he went all over campus. Uh, it was just something he did. I'm sure he looked kind of funny with his books running everywhere. But um, he just was highly focused. Thane's focus and speed on the track also helped him to win four Olympic medals, one gold, two silver, and one bronze. I am probably uh, more blessed than a lot of people, more by accident, but I've been on the Olympic Stadium four times, and every time they played the Star Spangled Banner. I think the way my dad dealt with after coming off the mountaintop of the Olympic experience is that he always had goals. He always had that next goal, um, whether it was work or whether it was uh, he was in the Air Force reserves 
or, you know, working around the house. I mean, he always had goals. Thane's goals included lending a hand to those in need. He likes to help other people. He's done a lot of volunteer work in his life. Um, he says service is important. Um, he also says that um, he thinks that people are the most important thing in, in life. So he really thinks that people are important. The good Lord puts you here to do more than just uh, your job. He puts you there to help other people and to help them. And I try, I try to do that, give back, give back. I will say that I never realized how smart my dad was until I owned my own property. And my husband was in the Navy, so gone. And I had problems. And suddenly my dad knew how to fix a disposal, how to help with the air conditioning, how to do all these things. It's like, wow, my dad is really smart. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, my dad has always been there for me. In fact, today, he still tries to be there for me. When my son had brain cancer, um, my dad and mom lived outside of Fort Worth, but they would drive up once a month to give me a break, just for maybe two or three days, um, so that I could just have some time to sleep. I've tried to uh, uh, give back in the church where I can. The, uh, the church is part of my life. The thing that really has always impressed me about Thane was, um, one, he was very humble. This is K-State track coach Cliff Revelto. Someone with his resume to, to just be as normal as he is is pretty remarkable in this day and age. Early in his career, Coach Revelto said Thane would track him down at track meets when the Wildcats would wander down to where Thane lived in Texas. He always wanted to come and, and visit a little bit and catch up and... Um, and he, he was going out of his way um, all the time. And, and um, it just left a pretty significant impression on me as a, as a young coach. And, um, and so he's, he's just such a special guy. And he's, he's been so supportive of the university. He's been involved in a number of, you know, academic areas, providing, you know, financial help, but also just his support over the years. And, and so he, he truly is... Um, a phenomenal K-Stater. I think sometimes we we don't acknowledge the contributions of, of uh, y you know, good athletes that have come through the program. Certainly if you're meddling at the Olympic Games, it's, it's a big deal. Um, so we wanted to do something special. So we, um, we came up with the idea of, you know, we talked about plaques, we talked about bus, that kind of thing. And settled on, on doing the bus, and, and we've got things done. I knew about it more than a year in advance. I was working with the artist in Kansas City, and I sent him lots of pictures of my dad, and then I ended up going down there with my daughter-in-law, and we worked with him while he was working in the clay, and we were all sneaking around, not telling my dad. On the night before Kansas State's 2023 homecoming football game, Thane and his family were invited to a Varsity K Club dinner. Coach Revelto asked the former Olympic athlete to come up to the temporarily erected podium. The coach requested Thane to help uncover the bus that the former Wildcat track star knew nothing about. Thane smiled after the shroud was removed and then walked around to get a better look at it. He was overcome with emotion as he stared at his likeness. He says he didn't cry, but he was definitely overwhelmed. Uh, my dad was really, really surprised. It was beautiful. I got emotional because I could see that Thane was so appreciative and he was emotional. And I know, I know how much it meant 
um, to him to have his family there. And I think it, it, it really meant a world to him to be there with all of the other uh, alumni that were there too. Um, he, just, he just thanks Kansas State for everything, for everything he's been able to do and accomplish. So it meant a lot to my dad. And they're going to put that, they just built a new, a new indoor track, they're going to put that there. But uh, uh, you think about a bust uh, of uh, <laughs> presidents and, and football hall of fame and this type of thing, but uh, a bust of a track person at Kansas State, that, that has got to be a fantastic honor, more than I'd ever deserve. At the football game the following day... Thane was honored again during a timeout. We get to go out on the field while we're waiting to get set up for that shot. Kent State scores a touchdown in the end zone where we are. And yeah, it was, right in front of you. Yeah, it was really cool. And then they shoot off the fireworks and, and all that. Please join us in honoring one of K-State's oldest living and most decorated letter winners, Thane Baker. When they announced about what Dad did and everything, they, everyone stood up and gave you a standing ovation. So I thought that was really neat. I'm really proud of my dad. I am super proud of everything he's accomplished and um, not just with the Olympics, but with life. You know, he's had a great life. I've been so blessed in my life. There's so many doors that's been opened through athletics and through running and through my involvement in other organizations. I guess if my legacy would be anything, it would be uh, perhaps helping others and trying to get them to achieve what they wanted to achieve in life, dreams, if you will. Thane hopes that in this race of life, everyone can achieve their dreams. I think uh, before ever race and a number of other opportunities in my life, I have said, dear God, please let me do my best and let everyone in this race do their best because that is what's important, doing our best. You gave us this chance. Let us see what I and what all of us can do with the opportunities we've had in life, whether it's a race or whether it's something else. Help us do our best. Thanks to ESPN, the National Archives and Records Administration, and the International Olympic Committee for the archival audio and highlights. And a big thanks to you, our listeners. This episode was produced by Nathan Cannon and me, Cleon Wall. Music and post-production by Kevin West. Make sure you watch BYU TV's Big Stories by logging on to BYUSN.com. Big Stories is a production of BYU Radio.